0: But I'm going to do it anyway. Without further ado, my friend, my brother, the anointed, eloquent, and, and super powerful, Pastor Hug.
1: Well, good morning, GT. How you doing? It is so much a pleasure for my wife and I to be here with you, as uh, Raphael said she's been with me thirty eight years. yeah she's a school teacher and a warden. She's my warden and school teacher, so I don't know about you, but I love your pastor. Um, anybody? yeah, yeah, go ahead. Anybody whose first name is Walt, (laughs) wears glasses, and his bald head, (laughs) got to have something going for him. So I I really appreciate him. Please make sure you uh, share your love with him. Tell him I missed him. Uh, He told me he wouldn't be here, but that was fine. Well, we are in this series, Culture Shock, and I am shocked that I would be asked to share on racial issues. I am not an expert, know very little about the subject, but what I hope to share with you today is what the Word of God says and uh, share some of my experiences. One of the things that I think will help us grow is when we find that there are opportunities, there are safe places where we can share our life experiences see all of us have background all of us have seen some stuff experienced some stuff had some stuff shared with us and it shapes who we are and one of the glories about being in the church is that we can appreciate each other for who we are and for what we are so today uh, i'm going to share my story and we're going to allow the word of god to uh, help us understand that with this Uh, racist issue that we have in our country, it's an opportunity for us as the church to reach out and make a difference. Amen? So this is what I want us to do. I want you to stand up. And we're going to pray, but we're not going to bow our heads. We're going to move around. I want you to get in these seats there. Just move around. And I want you to just stare around the room as we pray. I'm going to pray. I want you to stare around. And I want you to get eye contact with people who are different than you. I mean, just as I pray, just begin doing that. Just look at them. You don't, you don't need to say anything. Just look at them, and we're going to pray. Father, thank you today for the differences in this room. Keep looking. Don't be looking at me. Look around. <laughs> see, you get, see, you're getting nervous already. Father, thank you for the different people that are in this room. God, they are dark people. They are white people. They're red people. They're yellow people. God, we're all different, but we are created. Y'all, y'all giving up on each other. Keep going. God, we are created in your image. And God, we are thankful that you love variety. God, we are thankful that you didn't make us all the same. And God, today, we want to learn how to love people who are different than us. And God, we ask today that you would change our hearts, change our thoughts about who we are, about what we are, that we may be more like you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Give a Lord a round of applause. Amen. You may be seated. Racism is the discrimination of people based on skin color or ethnic origin. It involves the unrighteous use of of power against people toward whom we harbor prejudice, which is the emotional foundation of discrimination. Prejudice is the emotional foundation of discrimination. Racism is equally unrighteous, whether practiced by whites toward blacks, Asians toward coloreds, Hispanics toward whites, doesn't matter what the diversity is still ugly before God. It's an affront to the character of God. And his answer to racism is never reverse racism. So if I've been treated terribly by white people, God's answer for me is not to treat white people terribly. Every attempt to address this evil in our nation leads to frustration of seeing it pop up somewhere else. In our educational system, in our legal system, in our law enforcement, in our judicial system, in our, uh, in our prisons. It, you, you grab it over here and it shows up somewhere else. And the reason for that is because we don't have the answers. Why has this evil been so difficult to eradicate? Because racism is not, first and foremost, a skin problem, but it's a heart problem.
2: Can't you read, boy? We don't serve no colors in here. I can read. Well, apparently, you can't read too good because we don't serve your kind in here. Now, get out.
3: I'd like to have a, a grilled cheese sandwich and uh, a soup of the day, please. Did you hear what I said? Uh, yes, sir. Well, then get up out of
2: that chair and leave.
3: Grilled cheese and and a soup of the day, please. I'm, I'm hungry.
2: You got problems with your ears, boy? Uh, no, sir. Well, apparently, you do because I said we don't serve your kind in here. Now, get
3: out. And I asked for grilled cheese and soup of the day, please. And I said we don't serve no cutlards in here. What about all these other folk in here eating? You got eyes? Do
2: they work? And if they do work, can you see all of these folks is white? And if you haven't looked in the mirror lately, you ain't white.
3: Well, yes, sir. I got eyes to see. I see that these folk in here are colored just like me. Only difference is they be colored white. I be colored black. But we're all colored by God to his choosing. Oh, so we're all colored by God, huh?
2: Boy, you got about two seconds to get up out of that chair and out that door, or else I'm going to call the police, and we're going to teach you a lesson you ain't never going to forget.
3: Now, I ain't moving till I get something to eat.
2: Carletta, call the police. Call them right now and tell them we got another color down here who's causing all kind of trouble.
3: Now, I ain't here to cause no trouble. You just sit right there, boy, and you keep your mouth shut.
2: when the police get here in a couple of minutes that's when the fun's really going to start
3: what would you do if Jesus Christ came in here right now would you serve him a meal I would why because he's white he was Jewish and his skin was darker than yours
2: well you got a lot of nerve opening up your big fat mouth and talking to me like that
3: I'd like a grilled cheese sandwich and a soup of the day, please. The only thing that's going to get grilled around here is you, boy,
2: when the police get here. In fact, we had to teach one of your kind a lesson last week. I thought the word got out around town about that. Oh, it did. That's why I'm here. Well, you didn't get the message good enough, did you? But when they get here, you'll get the message. In fact, I'll make sure you do. Why are you being so hateful against me? I ain't done nothing to you. Because we don't want your kind around here, that's why. What kind? I ain't no different than you. Yes, you are. You're very different than me. How? Just shut up. Just shut your big fat mouth, you hear me? Officers, here's a troublemaker. Get this troublemaker out of here.
3: Grilled cheese and soup, please. Officers, you need to arrest this man. Grilled cheese and soup, please.
2: Officers, I said you need to arrest this man now. Officers, you can go now. What are you talking about? Officers, you get over here and you get this colored out of here now.
3: They can't do that.
2: What are you talking about? Officers, you come over here and you get this big ape out of my diner now.
3: They can't do that. See, these gentlemen work for me. I just arrived in town today. I'm the new chief of police. And one of my jobs is to get rid of the predators in this town. Now, I ain't no big ape. I'm a man just like you. only difference is my skin is darker than yours. That's all. Now, if you can't understand me, and if you can't understand that, then we gonna shut this diner down today. The problem ain't the color of my skin. The problem is the condition of your heart. And the only one that can fix your heart is Jesus Christ, the Lord our God. Now, I'd like to have a grilled cheese sandwich. And the soup of the day. Please.
1: See, we all have experiences. Some of us, we look at that and say, that's. A nice lifetime movie experience, but I have no idea what that's about. That's okay, but that's real for some of us. And this morning, I I just want to tell you about my experience. Uh, I was born in North Carolina, uh, 1957, uh, in the midst of some racial stuff. A little town called Hookerton. Some of you don't believe it. Don't take your phones out and Google it, but it is a place called Hookerton, North Carolina. 358 people. Beautiful little town. And in this town, there's a street that runs right through through town. And all the black people live on this side of town. And all the white people, except a few, live on this side of town. Now, the only thing on the black side of town is a juke joint. Mean, we just throw down. That's all we got is a, is a little store where we shoot pool and, and, and dance. On the white side of town is the post office, the grocery store. Everything that you need to do life was over there. That was my experience. So until the sixth grade, seventh grade, all I knew is the blacks here and the whites there. The blacks had nothing and the whites had everything. So I go to the eighth grade in uh, 1968, six, seven, six, eight, they integrate schools. And that's, for those of you who might not be aware, that's when they took blacks out of the black school and bussed them to a white school. And I was in that first cadre, there was about 10 of us. That they took and shipped us over to this white school. I was scared to death. Matter of fact, up to this time, my mama had taught me a very important lesson about white people. And this is the way she said it. She said, McNeil, that's my middle name. She called me McNeil. She said, McNeil, a white man will take everything you got. Don't ever trust a white man. That's all I knew. When it came to math, learning numbers, and I'd be learning, trying to get the math right. And she said, boy, you got to learn these numbers, because if you don't learn them, the white man said with me, we'll take everything you got. Some of you white people are very nervous right now. You, said, you can't even say it. I'm okay. It's okay. It's just my experience. I mean, you might have a different experience. So here I go, shift to this uh, school, all these white kids, and I said, God wouldn't say, I'm in trouble. I have no idea what I'm doing here. I don't know who these people are. They don't like me. I don't like them. That was a fact. They didn't like me, and I didn't like them. So what I did, I said, since I'm over on the white side of town now, I got to start acting like white people. So I was on the football team, and that was the one place where we could halfway get through the racial challenges. But there was a quarterback named Jerry Carraway, and he kind of became my friend. And, and whatever Jerry did, I did. So in school, you know, he did homeworks and took his books home and studied. So I started taking my books home and studied. Came to the ninth grade, signing up for classes. I said, Jerry, what are you taking? Jerry says, well, I'm taking French and biology. I signed up for French. I can even spell French. So I signed up for French and biology. Chemistry, Sign up for all of that. Ninth grade made it. Me and Jerry are still playing football together. 10th grade, what do you sign up? Advanced biology, second year French, all this stuff. Sign up, passing, going through, just trying to keep up, trying not to embarrass myself. 10th grade, 11th grade, 12th grade, 12th grade. December, my senior year, getting ready to graduate. I go to the guidance counselor and I said, I want to jump on the first bus in the military after I graduate. We graduate on June the 11th, June the 12th. I want to be on a bus out of here. That's just the thing we did back that time. If you wanted to leave North Carolina, you joined join the military. So I went in to see the guys' council, and I told her that her name was Mrs. Bass. Well, just by chance, Mrs. Bass, my counselor in the 12th grade, was my advanced biology teacher in the 10th grade. So when I go in to see Miss Bass, and I say, "Miss Bass, I, I'm, I'm ready to join the military when I graduate, and she says, Walter. That's the way white people talk. Walter in the South. Walter, you don't need to go in the military. You got all these classes that you can go to college. I said, Miss Bass, I don't have the money. I'm going to flunk. I don't, I don't have the skills. I cannot make it in college. Walter, you're going to do fine. i tell you what. Walter, if you take the SAT and pass it, I'll get you money to go to college. I said, Ms. Bass, I can't pass SAT. She said, Walter, just take the SAT. (laughs) So I took the SAT and I passed. I was shocked. I was shocked. (laughs) Mrs. Bass got me four years. Basic educational opportunity grant paid for. Room, board, everything for college paid for by this white lady. I go to college, East Carolina University, 13,000 students, 500 blacks. We go to register for our classes. I go get in the ROTC line, sign up for a military ROTC because when I flunk out, at least I'll have some military training <laughs> and I can go to the military. Because I'm not with Jerry Caraway anymore. I don't know what to do. I'm, man, I'm here with all these white people. What am I going to do? I'm going to drop. So I held with it four years. Everything paid for. All I got to do is just make grades. <laughs> this had nothing to do with the lesson, but I was in the dorm. And uh, I had a white roommate, and we were in suites, and there was two, four, six, six other whites, myself, only black. And they were part of the, they had the food program, so they would go to the lunchroom and eat every day. Well, I, I you know, I, I didn't want to do that. So my mama had bought me a hot plate. Y'all know what a hot plate is? So in my room, I had a hot plate, a two-burner hot plate. Man, I was frying chicken, butter beans, bacon, eggs for breakfast. Them white kids was freaking out. They said, man, what are you doing? So one Monday night, Monday night football, I, I, I was cooking my meal, and I was cooking. Let's check this out, y'all. I was cooking chitlins. I had them chitlins simmering about 9 o'clock for their football game. And them white kids would walk by my room. And I see them walk by and they keep walking. Then they come back. And they said, what is that smell? (laughs) They introduced me to steak and I introduced them to chitlins. It was a mutual relationship that we had. But it was great. (laughs) Graduated from college four years later. Came into the military as an officer. Served 15 years. All because of this one white lady who took interest in this one black kid who had no idea what he was doing. Folks, I want to tell you, that, that that's how my, with, with my mama telling me that they, they are out to hurt me. And then my experience is showing me that there are some that would hurt me, but there are some that love me. And then I met Jesus and he changed my heart. And this morning, I just want to share with you, I just want to take a little time to share with you that our world is in trouble. Our nation is in trouble racially. They do not have the answer, but we do. But the problem with us is the church in a lot of places is in just about a shape as the world. I look at GT, and I look around this room, man, and I'm seeing, man, I see my Asian brothers and sisters here, man. That just blesses me. Man, you are beautiful. I love your hair. It's long and black. my African brothers power brothers (laughs) amen amen my real African brothers not us African brothers the real Africans the ones who came here on their own the ones the ones (laughs) yeah the ones who paid to come here (laughs) white brothers and sisters, Native Americans, man. TT, you got it going on. But I can tell you this. There's some racial prejudice in this room. There's some of us that, that we're here and we see this and we permit it. It's okay, but we're not crazy about it. I want to talk to you about that God is crazy about this. That God wants this. That God loves this. That God, that God, that this is heaven. This is how it's going to be in heaven—that we're all going to be there, and we're all going to be loving and worshiping on Jesus. So, GT, you got it going on. But our nation is not the same way. There was a poll taken by the New York Times, and uh, what it said is that over half the whites, over 50 percent of the whites, and over two-thirds of the blacks felt like that America had a bad, uh, was doing bad when it came to racial relations. Even more troubling is that 40% of blacks and whites feel race relations are getting worse. And this is before this last uh, period of time where we had with the, with the police and the blacks and Ferguson and, and all of that. This was before that. A survey conducted by the Public Religion Research Institute in 2013 asked a range of questions to diverse peoples and friendship groups. And it was found that while 65% of black Americans reported only have black friends, 75% of white reported that they only have white friends. Concerning Latinos, around 43% of Latinos say that the United States has made a lot of progress. 48% of Hispanics think a lot more needs to be done. These numbers are not that important. The fact is that there's stuff going on in our nation. And God wants the church to make a difference. Jesse Duplantis, he tells this story, a little joke about us as blacks and whites, reds and yellows. And he says, we're all made out of dirt. There's black dirt, there's red dirt, there's, there's yellow dirt, all dirt. We were born dirt, and we're going to die and go back to dirt. How would we feel if we walked out of this building, walked out to the parking lot, and there was a lump of black dirt kicking the white dirt? Or the red dirt talking bad about the yellow? We said, man, that's crazy. you all dirt. It doesn't matter. It's dirt. That's the same thing with us. we all dirt. None of us are better. None of us are worse than anybody else. We just need to learn to get along that way. This morning, I want to share uh, the story about the Good Samaritan in Luke chapter 10. And I want us to get three main points from that. I'm going to give them to you. So if uh, I mess up along the way, you'll make sure you have the points. The first point is, if we're going to defeat racism, if we're going to uh, proceed as a church to make a difference, then it requires a deep commitment to God. Number one, we have to have a deep commitment to God. Number two, if we're going to make a difference in racism, it requires courage and not fear. And number three, if we're going to defeat racism, it requires compassion and communication. So we go to Luke chapter 10, and this lawyer comes to Jesus, and he says, Jesus, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said, well, what does the law of Moses say? And he was a very smart and intelligent man. He says it says that we must love the Lord our God with all our heart, all our mind, our soul, and our strength. And then we must love our neighbors as ourselves. Jesus replied, "You have spoken well. Do this and live. If you love me, if you love him, and you love your neighbors, you will live. You'll have life. I I love that song we were singing. You'll no longer a slave. You'll have life." If you do this and live. And then the lawyer said, but who is my neighbor? See, in the lawyer's mind, by that statement, he's asking this. If I'm to love my neighbor, then there's those I love and those I don't love. He, by his question, he was letting us know that. He did not understand what God was talking about when God said, love your neighbor. So, Jesus being a smart man that he is, he perceived it and said, listen, let me tell you the story. But the first point was that we need to love the Lord our God with all our heart, mind, soul, and spirit. We We got to be committed to him. See, this idea about loving God and loving people is essential. And all of us are growing in it. None of us have it figured out, but... If I'm to love God, then then my love for God is going to help me love you. but if I don't love god I, I, don't, I don't have the ability to love you the way I should. but you know something else I found out in my walk with christ this this is, this is this is this is like liberty to me this is this is from God to me, and I think it's going to help some of you in here. when God asked me to love him with all my heart, mind, soul and strength and love others, love my neighbors as myself, before I can do any of that. Before I can love him and love you, the one thing I got to do, the one thing I got to know is how much he loves me. See, the reason I struggle with loving God is because I don't know how much he loves me. I don't understand the price that he paid for me. I don't, I don't understand that right now on my worst day, oh, I've done the most evil thing in the world. God's heart is for me. And, boy, when you get a rhema of that, when you understand how much God loves you, man, it changes how you worship him. See, the, you, you remember he said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and love others yourself. And he said, do this. See, we say do this. It's something we got to do. Lord, if I do this, then I'm right. God is not saying it's a task. It's, it's, a, it's, it's a response to how much God loves us. God, I love you because you love me. God, I give myself to you, God, God, because there's nothing that hinders us. God, you love me whether I'm good or bad. God, you love me on my good day my bad day. God, you love me when I obey you. God, you love me when I do my, my devotions. You love me when I don't do my devotions. God, you love me when I love my wife as Christ loves the church. God, you love me when I speak evil of my wife. God, you love me when I watch stuff on TV I shouldn't watch. God, you love me when I'm doing exact. God's love for me does not, is not based upon my performance. So when I understand that, I can respond back to him in love, and then I can love other people who God loves not based on their performance. I can love my neighbor whose love is not based on performance. See, loving your neighbor is the royal law. It's royal because it comes from the king. (laughs) In James 2.8, it says this is the royal law. Love your neighbors. It comes from royalty. It comes through the Holy Spirit. It comes by Jesus. He's the only one who's lived the royal law perfectly. It's royal because when I love the Lord God with all my heart, mind, soul, and I love my neighbors as myself, I fulfilled all the law. Think about that. When we in love with each other, you fulfill the law. You don't don't need to do the Ten Commandments. You don't need to check them off because you are doing what God's called you to do. It's the royal law. And when I love my neighbor as I love myself, it makes me royalty. When When I'm allowing the love of God to flow through me and I'm loving you, like Christ loves you, I become royalty because the Holy Spirit is working through me. See, when I'm loving my enemies like Christ did, I'm royalty. If I'm just loving the people who love me, I'm just another Joe. When I'm praying for those who despitefully use me, when I'm blessing those that curse me, when I'm doing good to those that hate me, I'm, I'm, I'm living out royalty. And God has called you and he's called me and he's called us to allow the love of God. Be committed to God, number one. Number two, the story builds on a situation 17 mile journey from Jericho to Jerusalem. And the Lord begins to tell the story. We call it the Good Samaritan. On this thoroughfare, it was lined with caves, and and there were evil people who who laid out in wait for for people who come who came through. Normally the people who were laying out in wait were Samaritans, and normally the people who got jumped were Jews. It was dangerous. The ancient equivalent to what some of you might think of North Omaha. Man, I'd never go to North Omaha at night. Man, whenever I go through North Omaha, I lock my doors. Man, West Omaha, man, I would never be caught in West Omaha at night. That's what I would say. I'd never be caught in West Omaha at night. See, we have these pictures of places we can go and not go because there might be dangerous for us. Well, this road, this path was dangerous for the Jews. And in this story, Jesus tells of this Jew who got overcome and he was beat up and left the side of the road and then came through a priest who was representing God. And the, and the scripture says he went to the other side of the road. He saw this man laying there and he went to the other side of the road. Then it said uh, a Levite came to another man representing us, representing the people, God's people, went to the other side of the road. And we would say, now, why? Would these people go to the other side of the road? Why would they not render aid to this man, to their brother? Point number two, if we're going to make a difference in racism, if we're going to cross the lines, it requires courage and not fear. See, these men probably were fearful of rendering aid to the man who had been attacked. See, there was a possibility that the men who beat that guy up was still there in that cave and waiting for you to come over and help him and then pounce upon you. So I ain't going over there, I'm keeping going. Another reason they might have been fear, because they knew that if a Jew touched a dead man, he'd be defiled. And they were worried about being defiled. Another reason they had fear. Well, what if I go over there and I'm taking care of somebody to come back and then they think I'm the one to beat him up? He's a Jew. I'm a Jew in this place. There's no telling what might happen. See, all these reasons, all these occasions that might have brought about fear. Final reason that it was in fear. Maybe the priest and the Levite said, eh, he gets what he deserves. He had no business being out here anyhow. Crazy. Gets what he deserves. You ever heard people say stuff like that about another color or race? They deserve it so we have all these issues of fear and god is saying to us we need courage if we're going to make a difference in the world if we're going to make a difference in the lives of people different than us we're going to have to have courage now listen to this it's hypocritical of me and hypocritical of you hypocritical of us today To publicly condemn racism, but never confront it privately in our own life. See, we're in this room today, and we're we're coming against racism. But when we walk out of here, what are we going to do about racism? It takes courage. See, folks, it takes courage for me to stand up here and, and say some of the stuff I'm saying. Because I know everybody in this room doesn't agree with it. I gotta thank you. You one of the ones that don't agree with it. Well, amen. God bless you. No. I know everybody doesn't agree. Because, but, but that's that's because we're different. Folks, if you're only gonna love the people that agree with everything you love, you're gonna be a lonely individual. There's nobody else that thinks just like you think. There's no one else that lives life just like you. We are all different so we can be different we can think different we can hear different we can have different experiences and still be in love with each other we can walk out these doors some of you white people can sit down with some black people and talk to them realizing that they might not see it the way you see it some of you blacks can curl up next to some whites and start talking to them about racism and how you feel and you're just sharing your experiences and be okay with having different experiences I had a friend say, "Pastor, I, I can't, I can't, I can't talk to anybody about about my experience because I'm scared of black people. I, I mean, it, I just don't know what they might do." That was supposed to be funny. You white people can laugh. That's okay. It, it was funny. I don't know what he might. I don't know what they're thinking about me. I, and, and see, that's their history. I don't know what he's seen. I don't know what he's heard. Depending upon his history, that might be what he knows. I need to let him share that with me. And then I need to curl up with him as a black man and see, we okay. See, you don't need to be afraid of all of us. There's some of us I'm afraid of. (laughs) (laughs) We're going to have courage and not fear. And finally, in Luke chapter 10, verse 33, listen to what he says. Talking about. The next guy that came around, the Levite and the Jew had come along. The Levite and the priest had come along, and now came the Samaritan. Then a despised, look at how Jesus paints the picture. A despised Samaritan came along, and when he saw the man, he felt compassion for him. You know, I wonder why the, what, Jesus. Jesus, why would you have to say he's despised? Because he was, and he wanted us to see. That what this man was getting ready to do, even though he was despised by the people he was getting ready to rescue, it didn't make a difference to him. So this despised Samaritan goes over and the scripture says he renders aid to the Jew. See, these people hated each other. The Jews thought the Samaritans were half-breeds because when the tribes uh, were taken in captivity, the Jews remained pure the Samaritans intermixed with the Assyrians, and they became half breeds So they, the Jews, thought they were impure, and they looked down on them. And the Samaritans hated them because they thought they were half-breeds. But here is this half-breed, and the Scripture says he goes to him and he binds his wounds. See, he's communicating love to this man. He anoints him with oil to comfort him. He, he loads his mule with him, and, and he, he takes him to an inn and cares for him. Even paying for his whole stay. And it's estimated that the amount of money this man left when he told the innkeeper to take care of him was for over three weeks. This man could have stayed there for over three weeks based upon the love that was communicated by the Samaritan to the Jew. Why did the Samaritan help the Jew? Spiritual needs always override cultural differences. Spiritual needs... Our nation, spiritual needs, our nation, always overrides cultural differences. As a church, GT, your missional goal by God is to make a difference in the world. You need to understand that your color will never trump the need that those people have. The need that people have will always be more important to us than our culture And the color of our skin. He didn't stop being a Samaritan in order to reach the Jew. He was still a Samaritan. It didn't stop him from reaching the Jew. You don't have to stop being who you are in order to reach across the line. But you don't let who you are get in the way of reaching other people. I want to say this in closing. Many of my church brothers and sisters, many people say, I don't see color. And I understand what they mean when they say that. Because they don't want to see color. They want to see us all the same. I don't believe, I don't believe that's what God wants from me. I think God is okay with me seeing color. I think God is blessed by me appreciating white people. Matter of fact, I think every black man and woman needs to have at least 50 white friends. That's how I feel about y'all. I, I, I really believe that. And I think every white person should have 50 or more black friends. I think that I think that I think every black man needs to have Asian friends, and the Asians need to have a, a Native American. I think we all need to have friends across the line. But if we begin seeing each other all the same, how will we do that? See, I can say we all are the same and still hang out with my people. But I think something's beautiful when when I start appreciating white people. And what they, I'm telling you, my life is made by God, and what He used white people in my life. The man is standing here today is because of what white people have done for me. When I was in the military, man, I had a white man that loved me. He loved me. My mama would, I tell about white people. She said, "I cannot believe it." He comes out to see me and stay, and white people over my. She said, "These white people eat your food." <laughs> I ain't never seen white people that, that, that they think you're trying to poison them or something. But I think we need that. We need to enjoy one another. So I'm going to ask you right now. We're going to close. And if you're here today, my first point was that we need to be committed to God. You might be here and you say, "Pastor, God, I don't have a relation with God." And, and this royal law about loving God, loving people, that's not me. I'm not there. I'm just going through life. And and your history might be have you in bondage because you can't love. You can't get out. You can't see people the way God because you don't know God. Well, today is your day. And if you're here and you want to say, I want to know God, I want to know how much God loves me so I can love people. If that's you and you're here today, you say, Pastor God, I want to give my heart to God today. I want you to raise your hand. I want to pray for you. If you're here today and you don't know God, I want you to just raise your hands and say, Pastor, that's me. I need it. God bless you. Anybody else that's here say, that's me. I need, I need the love of God. I need the, If you guys see anybody with their hand raised, and I don't see. I hate these churches with these bright lights. <laughs> well, let's pray together with the one that raised their hand. If there's others I didn't see, we all going to pray. Let's pray this. Just say after me. Say, Lord Jesus, thank you. Loving me. Thank you for saving my soul. Forgiving my sin. Today, you are Lord of my life and you're my Savior. Today, I want to follow you. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. to God, courage, communication, and compassion. I want you to stand to your feet. I want you to listen very closely. If you're here today and you say, Pastor Hooker, I today, I want to take a proactive step toward remedying the issue of racism in my country in my life in my family. Today I, I know some things that seems not right in my heart. And today I want Jesus to do something in me toward people who are different than me. I'm talking to a specific group of people. You know that you know that you know that God is speaking to you. There's, there's some relationships that you've allowed to go tainted because of the color of people's skin. It might be at work. It might be in your family. One of the things I found is, is when people say they're okay Racism and they love everybody the same until their child brings home some money of a different color. And then everything changes because there's something deep in there that they know is not right. Right now, if you're here, you say, Pastor Hooker, I need to take some steps because there's some there's some issues in my heart that I want God to deal with. Can I just see your hand? Just raise your hand. That's you. Don't worry about what anybody else said. You know your history, you know where you come from. God bless you. Anybody else say that's me? I see those hands. Asking God to heal you right now. Anybody else? I can't see upstairs there. Yeah, I see those hands. God bless you. God bless anybody else. Now, you can drop your hands. Those of us that say, Pastor, I need to do more. I know I have not been proactive. I've been negligent. I've been lazy. I've been slothful. I need to be missional about seeing races come together in my life. That's you, raise your hand. You know you need to do more. God bless you. God bless you. How about this one? Drop your hand. You're afraid. There's fear. Let me see your hand. There's fear. You don't know how to do it. No one told you how to do it. God bless you. There's fear. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you for being honest. Anybody else has fear? Let's all go to the Lord. Let's just raise our hand. Can we? That, that song, uh, there's the, the, uh, I'm no longer a slave, and there's a verse in there that talks about. Yeah, just sing one of those verses. I, 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 I don't know. I'll... Just sing one of those verses. We're gonna, we're gonna. Wear... I, I I think God's gonna lead you into one that that I'm talking about. It's, it's just really appropriate. Uh, let's just sing it to Him. Let's just sing it today. Concerning this issue, there's no longer fear when it comes to reaching people who are different Let's just sing it to him. Father, we thank you for your love and your commitment to us. God, we ask for the power of the Holy Spirit that you would give us courage. That you would give us courage. That you would show us how to live compassionately with those who are different. That we would be able to communicate the love of Jesus Christ with our world. Squeeze the hand next to you. Just squeeze it. Signify that we agree we're a team. God, you called us together to do this. What if God is doing something? I our it right now. What if God is doing something through us right now? What if God is changing Omaha right now? For what's going on in this room? God, we believe it. In Jesus' name we pray. Let's give him a round of applause. Amen.
0: Amen. Amen. You put our hands together for our brother. Praise God. Thank you, Pastor Hook, for uh, sharing your story and your wisdom with us. We really appreciate it.